everybody. Welcome back to Black Card Rehab, the show where we go from zero to black, one episode at a time. I am joined today by my white friend, Paige. Hey, Hello. Paige. Hi. Hi. <laughs> uh, on a scale of zero to black, how are you feeling today? On a scale from zero to black, <laughs> I am sorry. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> I know I didn't specifically do the bad things that happened in this movie, but on behalf of my unmelanated brethren, I am sorry. And Crystal, on a scale from zero to African American, how are you feeling today? Um, I I'm feeling like a, a horse named Booker T. Uh, I. <laughs> I show up on time, you know, I, <laughs> I only respond to the call of a black man. I don't know. I, <laughs> um, and today I am very happy to have on my um, guest. Uh, she's a very hilarious comedian. She also has a really excellent podcast, Amber North. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm very stoked to be on this yeah it's a great idea (laughs) well tell (laughs) us how you're feeling today on a scale of zero to black you know it's so funny ever since i've seen this movie so imagine seeing this movie as a seventh grader i can't i can't i can't that's how that's how i so i was like insomniac (laughs) level and i bring that up to say i've always was influenced and impacted by Sylvester. So that's my scale of blackness. Sylvester, Mm. Don Cheadle, which is pretty much, if you've seen Devil in in a Blue Dress, that's pretty much Mouse Mm 2.0 because he was just, he stayed ready again. He was a trigger happy (laughs) brother. But on this cause, he was for, you know, saving saving his culture and his city. So that is, that's how I've always felt. I was like, I would be like this guy. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I think we should all strive to be like Don Cheadle. Like, right? he's awesome in general. Exactly. Yes. That literally started, I, ever since then, I had the biggest crush on Don Cheadle. And I've only wanted to date man. men. Yeah. And I've only dated, wanted to date men who reminded me of him as Sylvester. <laughs> this, I was like, can you <laughs> save me? Will you hide in your dead mother's coffin for the right. cause, my brother? <laughs> Otherwise, we outie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <man. laughs> um, and, and we've been hinting at it, but can you tell us what we're talking about today? We are talking about Rosewood, uh, directed by John Singleton. Yeah. Ninety-seven. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's so crazy about John Singleton um, is because I grew up. I was always I was just affected by his movie ever since Boys in the Hood came out because it was a good representation. I felt like. Because it was showing that you can be from the hood and have people in your corner from the hood and still want to aspire to get out of it to be better for yourself and still not forget. So that was something that I always, because I grew up in the same atmosphere. So John Singleton really played a major role in like just, cause, and I went to school film studies and journalism. So from Boys, to the, Boys in the Hood to Poetic Justice to Higher Learning, those were his first three movies. And I was like, yo. But then when he came out with Rosewood, I was like, man, this, who, you, who made him mad? He been mad. He been mad, mad. Yeah. And it's like, and, and what's so crazy, I didn't even, like, cause I was 12 when I saw that. And like, and uh, three years later, I uh, learned about the Emmett Till 
uh, murder. Yeah. So, and and it's just so that's just how it is growing up black. You know, if you're if you grow up black and want to have any type of knowledge of your history, it's always grim. <laughs> and so yeah, and so <laughs> so Rosewood was like the first like. My, I have um, an older sister, and she was in college by the time uh, I was coming of age, and she, you know, helped me learn a lot about just you know the black black history that wasn't taught in school. But when I saw Rosewood, I was like, "Yo, this is this is different." I didn't know that we had our own town in Florida. That's, I mean, that's incredible. I that's that's really great. I mean, I applaud your parents. Like, I uh, hey, <laughs> yeah, it's like shit. Yeah, I mean, and now I just move a lot, like just lots and lots and lots of green because uh, collard greens, wink. But um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just uh, because like learning that so early. It's like I mean, even though I was, I mean, I'm grateful that I was able to attain all that knowledge. But man, it could really fuck with you. So. So yeah, so we first started talking about John Singleton and I realized, because I just feel like I didn't know a lot about John Singleton and I realized like, I actually have seen quite a bit of his movies. I mean, I, I have seen Boys of the Hood. I have not yet seen Poetic Justice. Um, <laughs> uh, my Jewish boyfriend he, keeps he telling me us. I need to. Um, that was for us, girl. How you missed po- out? I'm kidding. I know. <laughs> yeah, Janet with the dookie braids and everything. Um, <laughs> no, he was trying. He was like, look. Was like, All right, man. <laughs> He's like, I too love Jada Pinkett. And uh, what was that? Different world. He was inspired by her, but he was like, no, but I need Janet Jackson. But anyway, sorry. <laughs> um, I've also seen Shaft. Yeah. And I saw, saw Shaft in theaters. That was very fun. I did too, and that's how we were introduced to Jeffrey Wright. At least for me, I was introduced because I didn't see him when he played Basquiat. But when I saw him and uh, Shaft, I was like, and I totally forgot. Kudos to you because I totally forgot he, he uh, did Shaft. I knew that was a well. Movie. I'm looking at Wikipedia, so don't no, give me job. too much credit. No, that's good <laughs> because I know he did Too Fast and Too Furious. But yes, I forgot he did Shaft before that. Yes, Which also Too Fast and Too Furious arguably one of the best fast and furious movies yeah. because it's it exists still in the race world and by race i mean like car racing but it's thank you uh the more recent two fast or fast and furious movies are like we're gonna drive cars off of planes and craziness and too fast and furious <laughs> is still drag racing but like really good and down to yeah work. He also did Four Brothers, um, and his last movie was Abduction. Um, he also yeah. he directed like the Emmy nominated episodes of America Crime Story, um, mm-hmm. the OJ Simpson story. Um, so good. In particular, one called uh, The Race Card. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, just tying it all together. Um, yeah, and he also did a uh, really good Thirty for Thirty about Mary Marion Jones. A lot mm-hmm. of people didn't know about her story, and he mm-hmm. was one of the, if not the only director that really wanted to talk about that because she was, I mean, it's just like she fell off the face of the earth, and it was all because of who she was with and how her husband betrayed her. And so he, he, that's why, that's why he, I mean, like up until he his death, which still hurts me, but yeah, even Snowfall, he, um, that was like the last major thing he did with TV or just film in general because Snowfall is about how 
like the whole thing with Rick Ross and all that, the drug cartel and how that became uh, crack cocaine. And so, and it started in Cali. And so, yeah, he, he, up until his death, he was, he was making, he had his hand into some sort of revolution. Like his revolution was definitely televised. Like he, and he, and that's, you know, when, when I do stand up comedy, I always just think of like how different, how a lot of my favorite artists were able to convey their message without, without still sounding or then without still having, you know, just coming off as anger without a message. So I just always appreciated him for that. Yeah. Paige, what was your first awareness of John Singleton? Um, I think my first, although I'd seen Too Fast, Too Furious, I just didn't know who directed it. Um, I saw Boys in the Hood in college in film school. And that was probably my first introduction to understanding him as a director. Um, And I would say, because I did see Shaft in theaters too. I think for me, that was my first, even though I'd seen some of these movies, movies before, my first real look at who he was as a person and his kind of goals with filmmaking, which are specifically revolutionary, like Mm -hmm. more so than many other directors. I think maybe you could compare him to Spike Lee as well, but just truly a revolutionary vision with the films that he chose to invest his time into. Yeah. Um, And I think for me, yeah, I, I, I feel really sad to say that I feel like I, I mean, I've, I think I, I'm sure I've heard his name like tossed around, um, but I don't think I really like even took a like interest in like figuring out who the director was of any of those movies before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I'd, yeah, I'd seen Boys in the Hood, but I just, yeah, I never, and, and that's just true in general, like with me in movies. I mean, I just, I usually don't, you know take very much awareness about that but like yeah i mean it really was around his death that i was like wait who and oh like i i've been influenced by you know and we've all been influenced by him without knowing and i think that's just uh i mean it's so sad to lose him you know um and especially because i feel like i i would say like even more than Spike Lee movies like I feel like Spike Lee Spike Lee movies and Spike Lee like anything Spike Lee related I feel like I'm always down for its existence but Mm -hmm. not necessarily personally feeling like this was for me you know Um, and I can enjoy it and I can Mm -hmm. get parts you know like enjoy parts of it but versus like I mean definitely at the entertainment value of of some of these films especially shaft like i love shaft um just yeah i, I feel i feel impacted mm-hmm. without knowing it so for people who don't know like like what do you know about john singleton before we start going into rosewood so i'm actually really glad you brought up spike lee that was part of the like just the comparison because they both came like spike lee his uh, first movie came out like a couple of years before, but he already had a name for himself as, you know, the black director talking about black things. And then uh, John Singleton, when he came out, it was like, oh, well, this is totally different. And for some reason, it doesn't like I, I, it is more relatable. And it seems like he cares more about the subject matter as opposed to being like, look at me. 
a black director, I'm talking about black people shit, which is, um, in the end of the day, it's really what Spike Lee movies are. Cause like I grew up on Spike Lee movies too, and I loved all I loved all of them up up till uh, Bamboozle, and then I liked a few of them after that. But like, but I realized like looking back, it's like this dude has like the patterns are hella. It's a very very t- problematic. I'll say problematic, and that he it's a uh, it's color like School Days was the first movie I saw with Spike Lee, and that deals with colorism. And then when you realize that, it's like oh. He uses these same patterns that he talks about in school days and it's throughout his whole film. Because you look at all the female leads, it's either a light-skinned woman, light-skinned black woman like Lynette McKee, or, um, and then the Jezebel usually is, uh, he always has a Jezebel type and it's usually a white woman who looks ethnically you know, ambiguous, like the Debbie Mazar types. And I noticed, like, and it always, I always had issues with that because it doesn't represent any, you know, there, it, was, it was always bad representation for me, at least, or misrepresentation. And then I look at John Singleton, it's a total difference. You know, every, everything about his filming, like cinematography, it was more genuine and it was more real. And he, like, he always focused on different subject matters, which was important to me. Like Boys in the Hood is about coming of age, and then you you moved on to Poetic Justice. It's like, oh, he's actually because this. I feel like he succeeded where Spike Lee failed, as far as making a film about a black woman, and she's the you know it's very rare you had a black lead role or a black lead role for women. So seeing that, and then seeing it was. Janet Jackson, we've never seen her in this light. It was really important to me. I saw that in theaters and she's quoting Maya Angelou poetry. I mean, it's, she takes, she don't take any shit from her, from any dudes. And then Regina King, her character, like he just always was careful with how he portrayed us, I felt like. And then you go to higher learning, he talks about what you can do with going, you know, being a black person, going to a PWI predominantly white institution because like yeah we already seen what it's like being black at hbcu which is what spike lee did with school days but i thought it was really important how john seems like look this is how this is really reality for us like he and he has so many different narratives in higher learning you know you have it's like oh like well how do black how do some black people end up at these types of institutions and uh you know, it's either athlete, free ride, or it's because you're just really smart, because you, your parents have money. Like, he just did a really good job with that. And then once he landed on Rosewood, he, it just seemed like he added all the elements and put it into that. And yeah. he hasn't really, and that was literally the last movie he's done that was like Rosewood. Because, like, ever, like, from then on, he. He dabbled. He did like Baby Boy. He also did Baby Boy. Yeah. So Which, I have not seen Baby Boy, but I was just like I saw that every in theaters too. <laughs> I've seen. I'm pretty sure I've seen. I suffer abduction. I didn't. I was like Taylor Lautner. What? But yeah. I, I feel like I've seen. Hiram Lonnie is the only one I haven't seen in theaters, but I'm pretty sure I'm pretty much have seen all of his films in theaters. And yeah, Baby Boy was one of them. And I was like. Okay, being brains were great in Rosewood. This is different now. Like, <laughs> it was just so. Yeah, and Tyrese, and then the whole scene with Snoop Dogg bitching him out in jail. 
Oh man. Yeah. Are y'all have y'all seen that one? Baby Boy? Yeah. I have not no. seen Baby Boy. I feel oh, like now man. I need it's, to. Oh, it's comedic. It's comedic. Uh, yeah. I've ha- I've heard a lot of like complaints and stuff about uh that movie um for, you know a lot of a lot of issues and mm-hmm. the, I honestly it really is the um <laughs> it's the it's the cover to the movie. I feel like it's weird to joke, it's but so I'm just bad. like, I don't want to, <laughs> this doesn't feel like, it's, I don't know. <laughs> and that's why it's so funny. Like I'm looking at this and I'm like, none of this looks great. Why do I even want to like, but I watched it. Oh, but this is how though I, I, I saw a movie. It was a double feature. Like I paid for one. And then I saw that one for free after that was done with the tape. Oh, that was good. That's smart. <laughs> I knew what was going to be shit. I was like, what? Tyrese? You talking about the Coca-Cola dude? The Uzi all dude? Um, before we get into Rosewood specifically, I want to ask Paige, do you have any other thoughts you want to share about John Singleton? No, I, I mean, I think we've covered a lot of it. I think Boy, uh, Boys in the Hood is a classic, and I feel like that's one that everyone should see. And if you haven't, get on it. Um, and now I feel like I need to watch Baby Boy. I, <laughs> yeah, now, now I have a list. It's a funny palate cleanser for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, let's talk about Rosewood, which I had to watch in pieces um, oh, yeah. because... Whew, um, I started watching this before like last night and then I was like, oh no, this is a daytime movie. You got to watch this in, you, in the you, light. <laughs> you, you texted me yesterday or no, I'm sorry. We talked about it after we taped an episode yesterday because we're taping a lot at once right now. Mm-hmm. And you were like, uh, it's rough. <laughs> It's rough, and it was so funny because Amber emailed me. She was like, yeah, uh, I don't know how your white co-host is going to feel about watching this. Uh, uh, <laughs> I was like, she'll be fine. <laughs> well, I had to give that warning. I was like, look, let, just let her know that. Because, <laughs> oh, yeah, man, man it, it's just so crazy. Yeah. I, I will say, just first and foremost, it is beautifully shot. It is, like, yeah. Right? Like, from a film standpoint, this movie oh, is yeah. gorgeous. And oh, yeah. it makes it tough to say that because of, like, all the horrible things that happen in this movie. But mm-hmm. also, it is it is both difficult to watch emotionally, but visually, it is stunning. Absolutely stunning. It mm-hmm. It is top notch. And I think that's part of why... When it came out, it was critically acclaimed, where basically everyone who saw it from like a critic standpoint is like, this movie is fantastic. And then it just didn't make its huge budget back uh, for the time. And I think that's kind of a bummer because I feel like this movie definitely paved the way for some movies that came after it. Like, I don't think we have a Django Unchained without this movie. Mm, Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And also, I was like, yeah, I mean, definitely related to the budget. I just like right right away from you know the credits, I saw John Williams did the music. I was like, oh hey, yeah. budget, okay, come yeah, through. And, uh, and also, uh, Ruth Carter, yeah, she did it. She did it too. She did it, which is interesting because she did um, a lot for Spike Lee as well. But yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, we, we mm-hmm. just saw how she won for Wakanda. So 
Yeah. It's it's really extremely well done. And yes, mm-hmm. extremely difficult to watch, especially because it does conjure memories of Emmett Till and that story. I feel mm-hmm. like it kind of really uses that as a, a bit of a, a kind of plot device in the movie because the movie I did research after I watched it. I was like, this is wonderful. I need to read. Um, so <laughs> Uh, they based some stories in the film on real life people where they had real life accounts of people that were there. Um, But in order to kind of bring it cohesively together, they created kind of the uh, rape narrative through the movie. And I think they definitely did base it on Emmett Till, but because we have that as a societal memory in watching this movie, you really have emotions about it the entire time where you're like, I know she's lying. And I know that every time they pull someone in for questioning, they're not just being questioned. Their life is in Mm. danger. And in many cases they die for one woman's lie. And that is devastating. It is, it is hard to sit through this movie, but I think that people should. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, like I, like I said, I saw it when I was, I had to watch it like in different phases of my life. Like, of course, mm-hmm. when I was 12 and then I was so amazed by it. I was like, this is incredible. And then I watched it again in high school and then um, once more in college. And then I haven't seen it in probably like at least 10 years. So watching this, I'm like, wow, I, I guess still a lot of elements that happens today. Like, mm-hmm. I'm in uh, Atlanta, Georgia, so not too far from here, the Ahmaud Arbery case yeah, like that was no different than what happened. I mean, they see, you know, this is Brunswick, this is beach town in Georgia, Brunswick, and these two white men. They they're like they wanted to be vigilantes. They wanted to be super sheriffs, and mm-hmm. they're like, well, mm-hmm. we had we had break-ins in our neighborhood, and then they just happened to see a black man in khakis jogging, and they're like, yeah, this is the guy. Like they yeah. just they 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 literally <laughs> tracked they tracked them down in their trucks with a, with a, in a pickup truck with guns and then it was filmed. So like just seeing that it's like this movie was in '97, the setting is in 1923, shit's still going on and it's just crazy. And you see all the like the different like that's why it was so viral with outrage seeing these different videos of white women threatening to call the cops on black men because they mm-hmm. know the power of it. And it's been mm-hmm. going on since slavery was ended. Like, this from right rage on. I mean, yeah. there's just so many different elements that's been highlighted in the in the film. And those are things that still constantly happens. And it's just different. It's just coded now. and failed to something else. Mm-hmm. And so, like, just watching that, you realize, man... Like, notice there's not that many movies that, were, that came out that's like this. I mean, you have Lovecraft Country now, which is, like, the closest, you know, like, and you have to go to TV now because Hollywood won't really allow for it. I mean, Get Out is close, too. But, like, something like Rosewood, so mm-hmm. you, you won't even see something like that because yeah. if that was the case, there should have been a movie about Black Wall Street a long time ago, you know? Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um it was it was it was hard to watch. I would say also like <laughs> I don't I because I know these people are like I I have to do this thing where I'm like, "Oh, it's just a movie, it's just a movie." But then but then that makes me think of like the entertainment industry and I'm like, mm-hmm. 
But how much are these white actors getting paid to recreate this trauma? Like, I want to, I really, I feel like as part of my emotional reparations, like, I feel like I need to know that the black people on this movie made more. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's funny. I'm really glad you brought that up because that's a great point you mentioned because look at the casting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was Esther Rowe's last role. <laughs> mm. But, um, sorry. Yeah, just her name. I was like, every time I think of that, I'm just like, oh. But yeah, and <laughs> so uh, that was her last role. And then you had Elise Neal, who was up and coming. And then Bing Rains. Uh, a lot of a lot of people knew him. Like, he got more famous for, I felt like, in Pulp Fiction. Mm-hmm. But I, that's how I, this movie pretty much introduced me to Bing Rains, though. And then... <laughs> Don Cheadle, you know, he's like different, like the black actors that were really big at the time. And then you look at the other casting and the two big white actors was Robert Patrick, who uh, Terminator 2. Terminator 2, which is one of the greatest villains of all time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, do we want this guy to die? He just came back to life from being blown as smithereens. But um, so you have him and then you have John Boyd. Those are the two big budget white actors right and they weren't mm-hmm. even that big then they were already kind of like in the. you've also got michael rooker who was not big at the time but is big right now exactly yeah. mm-hmm. so like these are all like like it, it was very interesting because the black actors is, they probably did get more in <laughs> the budget for sure because the, the white the white people he hired that's how he always been it's interesting you mentioned that because that's kind of how all of his films have been he's never really had a big white actor well and i feel like that's an interesting contrast to something like django unchained where you have leonardo dicaprio getting an oscar nomination right for for playing that role yeah you also django unchained is directed by a white man yep Mm -hmm. love to say the hard r so yep um, yeah. Well, and I was reading on John Singleton's Wikipedia that he, you know, he he talked very openly about how they would they Hollywood is was very reticent to let mm-hmm. black directors direct black stories. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was yep. very upsetting. I mean, and that is upsetting. It's just like, who are you to say that this person is better at telling this story than right? And yeah. um, from my like I mentioned before, I went to school for print journalism as, and then my minor was uh, film studies. So just learning like certain things, like how Hollywood really, how racist they are, how hard they work to keep it going with the racism. Like they always, and there's always a formula, especially with black films. And uh, John Singleton fought that formula really well because uh, I'll use an anecdote that I read from uh the man who did Drumline, he admitted how really awkward it was when he pitched it to white Hollywood execs because, you know, this is black, this is black, young black man who went to historically black college and it's all about black life and the band and all that. I said, yeah, this is great, but just make sure you have a white character involved. He was like, huh? Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. you got to always have somebody white involved. doesn't matter what, but you just always got to have them involved. And, yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, John Singleton, I mean, he, if he had white people in there, it wasn't egregious. And, and 
and uh, <laughs> like it's either gonna be villains or whatever. But yeah, that's just interesting how Hollywood is. They they like Hughes brothers, uh, if you're familiar with them, like they did Minister Society and then they ended up doing their presidents, which is really more political than any that's probably the most political. And then they did uh, Book of Eli as well. It's just sometimes they even Hollywood makes them they pigeonhole them too because it's like, yeah, okay, talk about black people stuff only. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I don't want to just talk about black people stuff either, which is great that John Singleton found a way to not. But like again, after Rosewood, it's like, woo, let me take a break, y'all. I did folding my first four. Yeah, films. this is what I brought yeah. y'all. You yeah. welcome. Like, <laughs> you learned all the lessons, brother. <laughs> and he did that like again, like so. He probably developed Boys in the Hood in like 89, 90. So from like 89 to like 97, he gave four films that really like made a lot of black people think about just how to just navigate in this world. So, mm-hmm. yeah, man. I mean, it's just, yeah, it really break, broke my heart that he died of a heart attack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It also made me very skeptical, but I ain't going to do that. <laughs> you know what? No, we. He, it was, he was the man that knew too here. much. Yeah, oh, yeah. He was the oh, black yeah. man who knew too much. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would like to shout out uh, in this movie, Big Baby. Um, right. <laughs> who? Who? Like, where does that term come up again? I feel like it. Who? I mean, what other cartoon or TV show? Is it like I feel like Animaniacs is also a big baby. <laughs> like yeah. I feel like there's something where I'm like, hey, big baby. Like is that that sounds familiar to you at all? Like I don't know. It, a, a little <laughs> bit. Well, it only sounds familiar to me because I'm a big basketball fan, and Glenn Davis, uh, when he was with the Celtics and other mm-hmm. um, teams. Yeah, that was his nickname, Big Baby. So, <laughs> um. I, uh, like, maybe a third of the way through this movie, I was like, oh, this is like the the black fried green tomatoes. And yeah. then quickly, <laughs> nope. Yeah. Nope. Nope. <laughs> started, like, doesn't it start out that way? It's like, because yeah. this is so funny when I was watching, I was like, oh, I forgot this uh, friendly shit, man. It's like, I didn't, know it took a, I didn't know it took a whole hour for them to get to the part where it gets fucked yeah <laughs> like half an hour into it i was like i'm not sure why crystal was so upset and then then i was like oh no i understand yeah and it's so crazy it. like you like if you you know going back to you know seeing that the scene is so obvious when you see like oh shit's about to change then look on that white woman's face yeah uh, she's going up to that doorknob mm-hmm. well what's so crazy about it uh it doesn't really it, it does it shows two perspectives that um that we don't really because when it comes to the revolution and fight for civil rights and all that it's either the people who fall or the people who were killed because they didn't want to fight or they were killed because they wanted to fight you know and um it, and then it just shows it's like like it shows here and in a lot of in a lot in in black history how it's tough for some black people who end up being on the wrong side and they you know the ones who end up hating like the willie o'neills you know the guy who was an informant for the fbi who gave freddie fred hampton's apartment away mm-hmm. like the the guy who was uh who ended up the the black guy who was a mason the one who ended mm-hmm. up snitching and getting the first black man lynched just because mm-hmm. he didn't want to get lynched 
stuff like that, you realize, wow, there's there's sometimes the law really doesn't give. Like if they're if they're not going to show mercy to someone mm-hmm. who's already given them information, like ain't no telling, you know. Like as we saw in one scene where a man was missing several parts, he was bloody up. You know, it's just it doesn't mean like when it comes to these racist motherfuckers, they gonna do what they gotta do. Yeah, and it got to a point where it's like, look, we gonna find us some black person to lynch, and but I just love that the. What I did love about the film, too, and then also like with uh, Esther Rowe's character, Miss Sarah, another mm-hmm. perspective is she was standing her ground on her own porch and she told the truth and she ended, it ends up killing her. So it's like snitch, no snitch. They're going to find a way to get rid of rid of you. And so, yeah, that was that was uh, that was really tough. But, I, you know, when I saw the movie then and just like watching it again now. Even though it's rough, there's still really good parts where you're like, oh, but we, we, we fight back, you know, like when Sylvester shoots at him. And then when he, at the end, where he shows up riding along the train tracks, as well as uh, Mr. Man escaping his own lynching. Like, that was crazy. Like, those, that was, that was yeah. a great moment. <laughs> and, 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 uh, and I think that, uh, Paige, you made a great point when you mentioned how we wouldn't have a Django Unchained if it wasn't for the movie. And I, I totally agree. And that's mm-hmm. main, one of my main reasons why I don't like that movie, aside from Quentin Tarantino did it. That's another podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah, it, it's just, it was well done. But it's so mm-hmm. crazy um, seeing John Voight act in the role like this, knowing how mm-hmm. he ain't really shit. Mm-hmm. Really for the cause. Yeah. <laughs> like he's terrible like, yeah. he's, he's like john wayne terrible yeah yeah i i was when i first saw him on screen i thought he was gonna be one of the racist assholes just because right? of what i know about him outside mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um but then similarly when i saw robert patrick i had this thought of like oh my god what if he was the same terminator character in this movie mm-hmm. and <laughs> that's a whole different movie too I do think, you know, not to bring up Django Unchained again, but I think something this movie does really, really well that Django kind of cheaps out on, Django features a lot of violence in it as well. And it is harsh, historically realistic violence, but it lets off the tension with the ending where they get to basically blow up the plantation and shoot all the white people, which is super fun to watch. But what that does is kind of robs some of the historical significance from the movie, where in this movie, we get to see them fight back, but we're also faced with the reality of the situation that for whatever we got to see fight back, 40 to 50 people were completely killed and there were no records of them until the trials in the nineties. Like right. we, we get and the, the whole city was burned down. Yes. The entire, they burned the entire city down. So, right. so which was, um, which is why I thought that was cool that John Cena was like, yeah, there's still some sort of a, yeah, it's like a happy, you're like, yay, we did it. But then you read the actual facts that he posts, you know, once the yeah. credits are gone, you're like, Oh, well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it reminds us that reality doesn't always fit into a cute movie bow, you know? Mm -hmm. And I really appreciated, like, you know, well, on the one hand, like, I didn't didn't want to see, I I really not interested in the dilemma that, like, 
that certain white people had in this movie, like, you know, the ways that some of them were conflicted. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just, cause it, you know, obviously I'm like so upset at like, you know, I'm like, it's bad all around. I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't care about your, your losing part of your business. You know what I mean? Like I don't care about that, but I felt like, it, it did. It did add. It did add nuance to the story, and I don't feel like they left them unconflicted. Right? Like mm-hmm. I don't feel like anybody, even if they did end up helping at the end, got to feel okay about themselves. Like I, like I, nobody got to be like get away scot free with being a white savior. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. um, exactly. everybody's everybody was fucked up after this and. The thing yeah. is, is that that's that's the reality. Is that like a thing like this does mess up um, the ecosystem, and so mm-hmm. to say that like just because you got rid of them, to say that everybody that was white was fine and happy with you know the result. I mean, even the racists, like they're they're going. I mean, there's there's a economic suffering they're going to have to rebuild. Like mm-hmm. you know, um, so I mean, and again, not that I really care, but it's just like you've messed up an ecosystem that, you know, in some ways was working and right. you, for what, for over, over, over literal the hatred. Life. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. Just like, like this scene uh, where one of the lynch mobbers, he's like, man, what are you saying? The hard art. It's like, have you seen some, you know, one of them with a piano. I ain't got a piano. Yeah. And it's like, that was his, that was his reason why he wanted to be involved. Cause that's a really real guy. conversation now. Yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. that's, yeah. Yeah. They call it sports reporting. If you want less one example, like, I mean, that's like the most, that's the most prominent example. You know, you, you see it, not just sports, just black people who are make who are multimillionaires because of some form of entertainment mm-hmm. and the white, and the white guys they yeah. they don't that's why the whole like situation with especially in sports i bring that up because the whole shut up and play thing it's like a big divide now it's like you motherfuckers want to have you want to have opinions now we don't we don't pay tickets to see you for opinions you know like stuff like that mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that's just that's part of that same rage it's like yeah you got something i don't have and i'm spending money to watch you and you're gonna have the audacity to speak up it's mm-hmm. like it's the craziest shit. Yeah, it's all it's just different. Which is always different types. The one of the greatest lines is that um, uh, when Esserol says, "You know, when you know when they're saying nigger, they're saying guilty." Like it, they're mm-hmm. synonymous. Yeah, mm-hmm. that yeah. Yep. If, there was a couple of things that were really powerful. Um, yeah, I mean, I just I'm I'm really glad this movie existed. I'm really glad. I'm sad that it took a podcast for me to watch it, but really, yeah. that's the only thing that would get me because I'm just like it's so intense, you know. It's and I'm podcast like, for, for, <laughs> it's for bringing that knowledge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad that you you know y'all were able to watch it because uh, I honestly have been wanting to talk about this since 1997 so <laughs> nobody watched that shit they're like no good i'm like but it's great they're like it's nah. really it's really good i would say this is probably the best made movie that we've done on this show yeah yeah and it, what stands out to me is uh is truly like when um 
when Ving Rhames first comes onto the scene and you just see the silhouette of a man on a horse, but there's something about, I don't know, I don't, I don't know how it, how to explain the way that it's shot because I don't know film lingo, but there's something about the way that it's shot that you can tell that even though it's far away, like the A, it's a black man and B, he holds his head high. Yep. Like there's something so powerful. Those few first few moments of just seeing him writing. And I'm like, that's amazing. Yeah, that was a, I thought of that, and it's so funny. Um, we keep bringing up Django because this is definitely better Django. Yeah, and, and, uh, and it is that because same that was the shot. first thing I thought. Yeah, because that was the first yeah. thing I thought of. Well, here's the thing about Quentin Tarantino, and this is just me being a film school snob, elitist. I don't give a fuck. But <laughs> it's very clear that you know what I'm saying. Like it's clear that he had no former training, which is fine, whatever. But it's just clear that. He just patched all of his favorite sequences that he was inspired by, and he just, you know, just jizzed all over it, the screen <laughs> play, and called it art. And it was like, bro, this we saw this in the searchers. What are we doing? But anyways, yeah. um, he he's a great imitator. And that's like, that's thank yeah. you, thank mm-hmm. you. That's you know, I just I just dragged it in the mud, but you put it in, you know, nicely put. I was like, <laughs> this motherfucker here, he does this, 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 and this, and his breast stank. But no, um, <laughs> I thought of Django though the, when I saw that shot because it it goes to when uh, Don Johnson's character he's like you coming here riding on your horse head all high how you think the other niggas feel and that's just how yeah. it is like because you see and it's like in Rosewood you see not just black people so black people are looking at him in Marvel and white mm-hmm. people look at him like oh I'm intimidated like they're mm-hmm. also looking at him with a different type of Marvel it's an t- intimidated type they feel threatened by his presence while mm-hmm. the black people are inspired by his presence so mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. right there is already a divide that shows and, and, and this is a mostly you know it's a predominantly black town mm-hmm. so yeah so yeah um, that, that opening shot is very very important it sets yeah. the tone for sure it's so good um uh, well, why don't we uh, why don't we rate the movie? So on Black Heart Rehab, we rate we rate films or music um, on a scale of five hair picks. So what do you rate <laughs> this film, Amber? Uh, yeah, definitely five hair picks for sure. Mm-hmm. Yes, Paige, um, I hard five hair picks for me as well, which I think mm-hmm. we also gave to. Uh, Dolomite is my name and what's mm-hmm. love got to do with it. So it's oh, in good company. Yes. <laughs> yeah. What's love got to do with it. I, and it's so funny. You mentioned that because um, like I saw that it was already done, but that was the first thing I wanted to talk about was what's love <laughs> got to do with it. But I was like, I know it's already been talked about. So that's why, I, but yeah, that was my first choice. What's love got to, cause that one was a very, yeah, I agree with that five. So. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm also gonna give it a five. Um, I Yay. mean, yeah, I, I I thought it was so good, so well done. Um, you know, it's telling a, a really important part of history that, like, um, even this day is somehow being denied um, and forgotten. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I highly recommend watching this movie to listeners. If you haven't seen it, please watch it. I. You know, if you need to watch it through the daytime or if you need to watch it in 10 minute increments, please do. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. fine. For show. <laughs> For show. Um, so, yeah, thank you. Thank you, Amber, for bringing this movie into our lives. Oh, um, of course. I'm glad you, glad it was uh, well received. So thank you all. Thanks for having me yeah. on the show. Yeah. Please tell people about your podcast. 
Yes, yeah, so my podcast is called Adventures in Amberland, and uh, some of the stuff I talked about talk about spilled into this. Like I do talk about black pop culture. I also talk about sports. I'm a big NBA person, so mm-hmm. I'm watching the game right now. Actually, the Lakers <laughs> in case anyone cares. Um, but yeah, I'm a big. So I've always been a big film nerd as well as a big pop culture nerd, and then sports so i just merged those three all together and mm-hmm. it's, it's really fun and mm-hmm. um i haven't had guests yet so i would love to have you all you know, oh yeah this is a that great fun yeah i could just um do the same setup and then yeah we can just work that out because yeah i'm starting to feel like j cole you know got over 30 tracks no features so <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we haven't had anyone on to talk about J. Cole Thanks, yet. Crystal. We need to fix oh, that. Oh, yeah, we do. We do. Uh, <laughs> yeah, especially because that's, yeah, I'm like way behind um, on on J. Cole lore. I just like, oh. I, but I listen to I listen to enough podcasts that are always talking about something upsetting that's happened surrounding him or because of him. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm, yeah. So, <laughs> you know, he just, you know, he just one of them black dudes who have ashy locks and he wears socks with <laughs> It's not his fault. He chose that. You not know? ashy locks, though. <laughs> I know. How you going to have locks and they ashy, man? I know. Cantu's only like $4. <laughs> That's true. Cantu is very... <laughs> he could afford at least Cantu. Yeah. African pride's not that bad either. Also yeah, black not. owned now. <laughs> There now, go. finally. Now. <laughs> <laughs> finally, C.C. Peniston. That's cool. <laughs> um. So, uh, Paige, what about you? What do you got uh, going on? So, we, we've got all the podcasts this week as usual. Uh, Monday's Horror, Virgin, and Cult podcast. Wednesday's Black Card Rehab. Thursday's Romancing the Pod. And Halloween Night Cult Podcast and Horror Virgin have a double feature virtual live show you can find information on tickets on cultpodcastshow.com cool and yeah check out both those uh well, all of the podcasts all of the all 55 of the podcasts pod- <laughs> yeah um i feel like i keep exaggerating um the amount of podcasts pages on <laughs> the same way that the white people kept exaggerating how many white women had been raped in this yeah. movie um <laughs> four 12 69 you guys it was five black men in the four it was 45 black men in that house that shot at us oh, like God. yeah oh, that's good. <laughs> um, <laughs> um yeah thank you guys for checking out the podcast um this podcast and please rate review the podcast it really helps people find find us um and know to check us out and we will be black next time yeah.